Chicago is more than great food, iconic sports, legendary music, and crooked politicians. It's a community of people who, at their core, care about one another and their city. We're chatting with new and native Chicagoans about all things local on The Chicagoan Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to The Chicagoan Podcast. Today, I'm joined by nonfiction and business book ghostwriter, Alicia Dale. Alicia, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you, Tony. It's an honor. It is a pleasure to have you here and an honor as well. So uh, let's jump into it. Originally from uh, from the South Side, Brighton Park, huh? That's right. Yes. And as we're getting to know one another, you said west of Sox Park, Comiskey Park, right? So, <laughs> I did call it Comiskey. <laughs> I love that you still do. So tell me about growing up. What was it like back then? Oh, it was a great walkable community. Um, you know, I just... Uh, I uh, was just telling a friend that, you know, my dad would have this huge vegetable garden in the backyard, and I didn't have a store-bought vegetable until I was grown up. No way. <laughs> oh, for sure. That's could grow awesome. anything, yeah. You yeah. don't hear about that too often in the city. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, when you're first gen like me, I mean, people take that 25-foot lot, and they maximize it, and um, we actually had a lot next door, so. Very he, cool. Yeah, it was it was great, yeah. Now, how far back does your family history go in Chicago? <laughs> just one generation oh, so really? yeah when i go to the doctor and i fill out that form and they're like what's your what's your history i'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> but you've pretty much stayed in the south side though for you right and like one of the things that um is a point of pride for you i think is, is that you moved to the south loop in the 90s when it wasn't what we know of the south loop today right no it sure wasn't and i i mean i looked around but i always choke around that we can't get north of madison it's like a law or something but i looked around and i was really drawn to the south loop even though it was very desolate at that time. There, there wasn't much going on. Um, there were some emerging communities, but the people that lived there and why I chose it was I wanted to be the change I wanted to see in the world. And I grew up with racial divide and I grew up with tension and I just saw so much opportunity there. And um, it was there. It was very inclusive and welcoming. And now it's exploded. It's a, a different uh, community than it was in the 90s. But I wouldn't say it's gentrified. I mean, we still have like that um, diversity. Yeah, I was trying to think of a different word, not to use the same word twice, yeah, but kind of, of like a, kind of just like a, you know, like a tapestry of you know what what is Chicago. We're like a little micro microcosm there. Very true, though. It's very mm -hmm. very true, and it's changed it so much. I mean, it's just evolved. Like as as a community, it has evolved, but there's still rentals and there's affordable condos and um, there's multi-million dollar houses. So it's really everybody, and I I think that's the future. I hope for that. Absolutely, and and one of the things that too is. For you, it's not just being in the community, but also being a part of that conversation, being, yes. you know, showing up. Yes. Tell me a little bit about just your involvement uh, yeah. throughout the years in, this, in, in that area. Yeah, yeah. It's a little painful right now because we're going through a tough time in the city. Um, but what I try to do today is just stay in the community conversations. We've got the new 78 community being built on the river and, um, you know, just, just staying involved and... Um, I've always been a lifelong volunteer, so when I found out about the opportunity to volunteer at the hostel on Congress, I grabbed it. That's so cool. It's great. And it's like it's such a unique experience, too. Oh, my gosh. It's like this little treasure inside the city that people don't know. And, right. Um, they, it's just a beautiful hostel. I think it was rated as one of the top hostels in the country, if not the top. It's right on Congress and Wabash. Now, paint a picture for me that... You know, I think a lot of people in Chicago don't know about it, right? And it's such a, like you said, it's a hidden gem 
in the sense that um, not only do you guys provide the space and a very affordable uh, experience, but you guys have scholarships available for people to travel. And one of the things that you had mentioned that from someone that had won the scholarship when we spoke previously was was like a, a woman who just, I don't know if she was married or what, but used it to go into the city and like be downtown and mm-hmm. have a weekend, right? Whereas yeah. normally you'd pay three, 400 bucks a night somewhere. Easy. What could you expect Easy. to pay or what's like... Tell me about some of those benefits uh, to the oh, hostel. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, they have private rooms, but the young people generally, and when I say young people, I say people, you know, under 30 or whatever, they like to live in that dormitory style. So there's two beds or four beds. You can go there and take a tour if you want and check it out. But um, I used to take people on tours prior to the pandemic, and I met people from all over the world because it's a, an American idea from oh, is my it really? pers- no from my perspective okay. to like spend a lot of money somewhere oh, but right, you meet right, people right. like I met a doctor from India and he was going to a conference at McCormick place and he was a urologist and you know it's like you see the $300 and you see the 30 bucks and you bunk with three guys he's like I'll take that one <laughs> it's literally that much of a difference oh yeah <laughs> 30 bucks a night I think so I haven't checked in a long time but it's 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 very affordable it's yeah. very affordable and there's resources there's pool tables and ping pong tables and uh, there's a kitchen so they could cook breakfast and they provide um, classes, you know, wow. special interest classes, and um, there's a refrigerator, so if people go out to eat, they can put their leftovers in the fridge. Wow! And then there's also community involvement, where it's like, hey, you want to jump on this tour? Want to meet these people? Or so that's part of the experience as well. And one of the things that you mentioned too is how uh, your advice to people is to travel, right? That you oh, learn so much yeah. from travel, and it, oh, yeah. we have this kind of thought of travel being so expensive, but as you're putting it seems pretty attainable, you know, that, that yes. you could just do these things. Yes. And our travel scholarships at HIUSA, um, currently we're giving $2,000 uh, to go anywhere in the world and then 500 in, locally. And scholarship is a misnomer. You don't have to be a student. You just have to be between 18 and 30. You go on and apply, and um, there's six questions. It's not like writing a big thesis paper. It's just, you know, who are you? Why do you want to go? What do you hope to learn? Wow. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, what can people expect from the scholarship beyond just, I mean, here you get this room, but it sounds like you're also kind of in in a sense, not only encouraging them, but even helping them with planning and, oh, yeah. you know, just being that kind of guide for them. Oh, yeah. There was one young man that was going to go to Japan and they emailed the volunteers and said, who's been to Japan? And I have. So uh, they're like, would you talk to him? Would you help him through? But then another volunteer had lived there for a year. I was like, go talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a better insight than I do. <laughs> That's a, where in uh, Japan did you go? I went to Tokyo, Kyoto, and... Um, Oh my goodness! I I've been a couple of places. Yeah, there. I've been That's to a couple cool. places there. Yeah, I took public transit, and <clears throat> yeah, it was really great. Yeah, very the cool. food was outstanding. It was just like one of the things I learned from Japan was the quality of the food is so great. Like their so, philosophy is, if if it's not the best, why even eat? <laughs> it's so true, though. It's it very true. very true. And I almost went to Tokyo. It's just um, I was living in Japan, but nine oh. eleven uh, happened. So oh. that I was literally booked for like three weeks from. It was like October or whatever, you know, like mm. the first week of October, I was supposed to go, mm. had the whole trip planned and oh. yeah, 9 oh, so that, It is what it is. It now, is what it is. <laughs> you also mentioned that, you know, people reach out to volunteers. One of the things too is you did volunteer there and 
that's part of uh, part of your personal brand, right? Is this volunteering <laughs> and connecting? It's always giving back, always being of service to others. But you know, tell me about some of those things that you've come to understand as benefits to volunteering that others should know about and you know, get involved as well. You know, coming from a, a community inside Chicago, you, you know, your your perception of what you can do or what is available to you might seem somewhat limited. But when you volunteer, the world is open to you. Absolutely. I mean, it's like the great equalizer. You'll be, you know, uh, with many people of different, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds and different educations. And one of the things I did was I went on a mission trip in Peru. Uh, That's so cool. As a result of that, I got to see Machu Picchu. That's really cool. One of the seven wonders of the world, right? Yeah. If you ever doubted if there's a God, it's like, (laughs) how did this get created on the top of the mountain and the way it's designed and constructed and it's designed to capture the the natural light? And um, I met uh, an emergency room doctor from New York on that trip, and she's like now my one of my best friends. I've stayed at her place many times, and two women from Chicago that were dentists. And they went out to provide dental service and a, a man that was a trader at the Board of Trade and he went to do like Habitat for Humanity and help build houses. So, you know, if I just stayed in my lane and just, you know, followed the path that I thought was laid out for me. And it's so funny because I didn't think I had any value to give and um, <laughs> really, <laughs> there was Come so on. much to do. <laughs> well, the doctor, um, she ended up providing some medical service in the clinic and you know people have a lot of kids so they come and their kids are bouncing around and everything so she brought me along and she's like could you just hold the babies while i talk to the mom and she's like that was a huge huge benefit so we always have something to give or contribute and nothing's out of our reach where did those come from from you to volunteer where did that heart come from because it seems like no matter what um you're feeling whether it be fear whether it be hesitation anxiety that doesn't stop you from doing those things that others find so difficult and use those same, you know, excuses as ways to get out of doing it and and, and not really realizing that the experience itself is the reward, right? I think, you know, that's a great question. It's something I never really thought about, but I think it came from my parents who, you know, my dad immigrated here probably in his 30s and my mother's parents came through Ellis Island and it was like, everything's available to you here. And if you don't do it, it's your own fault because they invented tough love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's so true though. It's so true now. Uh, Part of that, and in terms of obviously you're volunteering, you're doing all these things, but then from a professional style, you're you're this incredible writer and and (laughs) you're doing all this incredible work. And tell me a little bit about that and how you got started even as a writer. Thank you. Um, Yeah, one of the great thing about these experiences is it feeds my writing. So there's really no topic you can't throw at me. I had a 30-year business career before I started ghostwriting. Oh, no way. mm -hmm, I worked for corporate America in many professional capacities at big Fortune 500 companies. I worked for GE in the Jack Welch years, if you know anything about that. Of course, of course. Yeah, I I could tell a lot of stories about that. And then I started a business that I ran for 14 years. And I uh, did some high-level consulting at a financial services company at uh, CEO-sponsored projects. Okay. So when I talk to authors about non-business or, I'm sorry, business or nonfiction, um, you know, I can kind of roll with the conversation and they're the expert. And then I know the questions to ask to draw the content out from them to create a good story. 
And the type of books that I, I seem to be writing now are leadership books. I just finished a leadership book for a man who served as a Green Beret in the Royal British Navy. It was so just cool. like, again, no barriers, right? You right. Know, go to Peru, meet a Green Beret. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, just keep reaching out and seeing what's out there and following your interests. And I also wrote a book for a woman who suffered with chronic Lyme disease and, and is now cured and in remission. Wow. Yeah. And totally different. Totally different. Totally but different. One one uh, common denominator, which is you, right? So hmm. that's that's oh, pretty wow. awesome. I mean, and, and, and now is it okay to say that you're also working on a, on a children's project? Yes. And then a children's picture book came my way from my community in the South Loop, Um Homer Bryant and I have been friends for 30 years. I know who he is. That's and so cool. He owns a dance studio in the South Loop. And I'd always tease him that he was an overnight success, you know, the way you see your neighbors. And one day we were walking and, and he said, oh, you're a writer. I'm working on this children's picture book. Could you help me? And my first thought was, well, I don't know. You know, I kind of do the business thing. And yeah. then I thought, why not me? I, I love, love children's picture books. So we agreed to work together. First thing I did was I walked over to the Harold Washington the Library. The whole second floor is filled with books, children's yep. picture yep. books. And I picked up as many as I could, and we talked about it and collaborated it on it. And um, we tried traditional publishing. And um, then we decided to go down the path of self-publishing for creative control. So I reached out to my network, you know, just talking to people, asking. And we found Tyrus Gaucher, who is a, a graphic designer, designs children's books, and um, worked for Pixar at one time. That's amazing. So Homer said to me, I want him to be local. I want to support a local designer, and I want him to be African-American. And we just found the perfect fit. So that's, we're in the design process now. That's so cool. And this is your first time doing something like this, right? Yeah. It won't be my last, though, because I, it's I been tell. so much fun. I can tell. And what does that do for you as far as, like, well, I guess maybe before I ask that question is you're doing a lot. Right? <laughs> it's not, it sounds like you, you have a lot of these amazing experiences, but also a wealth of knowledge. What do you notice is kind of like the connection between all of them that allows you to really fine-tune this person that that you're not only becoming for you, right, that you're, I think, finding that identity, but also for others, right? How does that kind of come into play? Um, for, for me, you know, some writers specialize, and they'll say, I'll only write for CEOs. For me, the personal connection is key. You know, do we have a personal connection? Are we connected? Am I enthusiastic about the topic? Do I want to learn about it? We're going to work together for a year or more. That's usually so, how long it takes. Mm -hmm, yeah. To do the writing and lay it out and everything. And, you know, so it's going to be a, a long time investment. And we want to really have that great creative collaboration. So what I found is I write for leaders. I like the law. I wrote a personal injury law book um, two years ago, and uh, change agents, you know, people that want to influence change. So I'd love to write for a plumber if they have some, like, fascinating perspective on plumbing or, um, you know, those are the kind of things I'm drawn to. So it's hard for me to have a linear path. I, love, I mean, that's awesome, though, because on that, I mean, you're saying even from the law perspective or whether it be leadership or, you know, change makers, right, that it's all change and, and the whole point of the legal system is that right is, is change and stuff so how how is it for you part of a vision for a future right where on one end you love chicago love being from chicago and and you really have a heart to for your people right you're not running away you're staying here as a matter of fact you're moving closer to where those things are right how do those three things of 
uh, leadership law and, and change makers really play into changing the narrative of Chicago for you? How do you, how do you kind of merge those two worlds where you're volunteering, you're doing all these great things, you have this heart, this passion, but you're also helping people that can help change that narrative too, right? I love that question. You know, um, it's been a dark time in our history and in my lifetime. It's been hard. But what I have done is to focus on the people and the conversations that are doing good, that are building, that are looking for solutions, um, that are not dismissing the past, but building upon the past. And I think we have it. And I won't give up that vision. I think it's here. It is here. And And I won't run. I'm not going to. Well, I, I mean, you've shown that you have it, that you're, you know, like the, like the Marines always, you know, you leave from the front, right? And, and, and you do that. Um, what do you think is the biggest challenge that you're working on? And, and how are those ways that, uh, that one, what have you learned from it? And two, how can people get behind it and, and support? Because you are doing some pretty incredible things. In what perspective, Chicago? Or Chicago. Writing? No, Chicago. I think Chicago. I mean, this is Chicago, um, right? But I, I would say this, go to the meetings. Even if you're mad, even if you don't like what's going on, um, be respectful in the conversations. Remember to listen before you speak. Uh, try to understand all perspectives. There was a great community meeting by um, volunteers for the 78 community downtown where we were going to get the um, gambling. We were, mm-hmm. we were in consideration for the gambling event. And the people who did the meeting said, we are volunteers. I'm like, let's not rip them to sheds. They're volunteers. They're they're getting information and they're trying to tee it up to our leaders. And some good stuff came out of it. It's not going to be in our area, but one man said, well, if we're going to have it on the 78, why don't we like do it real upscale, like $1,000 tables? And I thought, well, that's an interesting idea. So when you're open to communication and open to collaborating, that's when the good things come out. So that would be my advice. Go to the meetings, even if you're mad. <laughs> and probably especially if you're mad, right? Like- especially if you're mad but control that anger so that you can listen, you know, and stay out of the narrative, stay out of the narrative because it'll make you crazy. That is great advice. Very, very good advice. And now as far as the, you know, the future and and just in terms of the brand and and, and projects, what can we expect? How can people follow? How can people get um, in touch with you? Mm, Well, I'm on social media. So I'm on Twitter and um, I'm also on Instagram and I have a writer's Facebook page, so I like to communicate that way. If somebody's really interested, they could sign up for my newsletter. Um, but uh, as far as the future, I just want to continue to work on really interesting projects with people that are doing things in the world. And because my home base is Chicago, um, what I'd like to do as the world opens up is maybe spend three to five weeks in interesting places you know, around the country. And, um, you know, work there because it's mobile work that I can do anywhere. So I'm, I love Hawaii and I'd like to see more of the states. And Well, it goes back to that travel, right? I mean, yes. every time you travel, you're learning. So yes. Part of that advice. Well, all very good advice. And I love the, you know, just the energy that you bring to our city, to our community. Um, just so encouraging to know that there's people like you out there doing what you do and caring the way that you care. So thank you for coming in, you know, sharing your story, but also just for your involvement in, in Chicago. Thank you so much. There's a lot of us out there. 